Hello everyone, welcome to The Forecast. This is the very first episode that I've recorded. Um, I am the sole host, Chris Core. I am going to be the weekly disc golf updater. Um, everything disc golf pro tour. I also will have a topic of the day. Um, just kind of dive into things like that too. So I appreciate anybody jumping on this first episode. I do have some more equipment coming too as well, making the sound audio a little bit better. And this is kind of my first crack at it as well. So bear with me as we go through this, but um, it's not going to be super in-depth in terms of uh, diving into everything for an hour and a half. I really want to keep these podcasts a little bit shorter, give a rundown of kind of what happened, some big story lines I see. Um, I really want to talk about key players that I think played really well that should be mentioned and just kind of breaking down my uh, my little hot takes too as well. So um, I'm not going to be diving in all too much into things like that. I'll talk about some players and then we'll go on to the topic of today. Um, but let's just kind of dive right into it. I don't really want to ramble too much about the podcast. I want to talk about Ledgestone. Um, Ledgestone is going to be um, their, our starting point topic. And we're going to start with FPO first here. Um, so Missy Gannon takes it home. She does come up in first. This is her first win of the season um, which is big for somebody who did win the disc golf pro tour championship last year so first win for her this season uh, second place owen scoggins finished behind her about five strokes back um, then we have lisa, lisa fakus um, and kristen tatar Paige pierce and alexis mandujano finishing up right behind her there too as well um, the big storyline and i think the two biggest storylines here is missy winning it is her first time winning all season she just really hasn't been there this season she hasn't performed like we saw missy play last season Um, i've seen a lot of opinions throughout the day and even last night i'm recording this monday so sunday night um, a lot of people talking about um, missy's just the end of the season winner she just comes out the second half she sees worlds coming around and that's when she really gets into her element and i get that you know i i think that it makes it makes sense, you know. She did the same thing last year. She won um, a lot of the end of the season tournaments, and then she ended up winning the Pro Tour Championship. I I don't think it's going to be the same this year. I don't think that Missy is all of a sudden going to get hot and start winning things. I think she's going to start finishing top ten. I think she's going to be competing more closely with the rest of the FPO. But I don't think it's going to be this magical end of season run that she kind of had last year too as well. And the big reason why I say this is just because FPO this year has evolved so much from last year. It's only been a year, so it's not like this crazy big change. But Owen Scoggins is playing a lot better than she was last year. Owen Scoggins was not finishing a top five like she is almost every week here. We also have Kristen Tatar, who I think is the best FBO player just I'm putting my money on her every week. So even if Missy is playing as good as she is, if Kristen is there and Kristen is healthy, um, she's going to be always out there uh, coming up big and wins um, and taking them from a Missy really well too as well. Uh, Paige Pierce, don't really have much to say. It's it's Paige Pierce. Um, And then, of course, Alexis Mandujano is just playing incredible this season, which she did not last season. Um, So it's just such a stacked field. There has been seven different FPO winners this year. I mean, that speaks to how like how just vastly differing this season FBO is from last year that we are having just so many different types of winners uh, come out here every week uh, for these women. And it's a lot of fun to watch. I think FPO has evolved for the better this year. Um, and I think that it's been really competitive and seeing different players come out and win hasn't been big. But getting back to Missy, like I said, it is her first win. She finished the back nine just on a tear. I mean, hole 10, birdie, then a par, one bogey, and then just 
uh, birdied and parred the way out. Um, looked phenomenal, I think, coming around to the stretch. It wasn't that big of a chase. I don't think I was watching coverage and thinking, oh, someone's going to catch her. I, I was more so watching coverage of saying, like, well, is Missy going to blow it? And that's not me trying to say, well, like, Missy is bad. It's just more so me saying that I didn't think anybody was going to catch Missy unless she just kind of fell on her way out, um, which she did not. She comes out uh, winning it by five by set, uh, five strokes. Sorry, quick math in my head. Um, she comes out winning it by five strokes and looks great. I mean, enough to be discussed um, for somebody who could take down Worlds. I I feel like these quick minutes I'm talking about Missy, I feel like I'm not like this big Missy supporter in these moments, but I definitely do like Missy. I like to see Missy do well. Um, I think she's a lot of fun to watch. I just think when you have players like Kristen and Paige, Alexis, um, Katrina Allen, and I'm even going to throw Owen Scoggins out there. I think one of them is far more likely to win Worlds uh, than Missy at this point. I mean, I could be wrong, and I, I honestly would be love to be proven wrong, uh, but at this moment, I think everything is a great win for Missy. I think it was a big bounce-back win. I hope it gets some momentum rolling for her, um, but I, I think that it's just such a stacked FPO field right now. There are two other FPO players I do want to talk about before I jump over to MPO. Um, Kristen Tatar is next. She's back. She's back from injury, and she finishes top five. I don't think she was at full health. I find it hard to believe that you get an elbow injury and you come back full health and it's just it's just so far-fetched you know this is disc golf she's going to be using that same arm every time as long as she's going to switch it up and go lefty uh, that it's a hard injury to come back it's hard because you don't know what shots to throw you don't want to re-injure yourself it's a big mental and physical game and I feel like that's what people forget when it comes to injuries is that yes it could take away how much she can do physically physically it could really delay how well she can actually play but then mentally you're you're constantly thinking about the injury whether you can feel it you can feel the soreness um you're also thinking well i don't want to re-injure myself so i think that it did play on her and we've seen Kristen Kristen this year already um struggle with the mental game i i'm specifically i'm referencing the first major of the year where she did go back and forth putting and she did lose it on the last hole to page i look at that as a big mental thing and i think that it did show that you know Kristen um is still getting used to being on this big tour and she is she is going to struggle here and there mentally um but Kristen, top five finish i think it's extremely impressive that she finished top five um for being hurt and coming back from injury um, and it's Ledgestone. Ledgestone has the big cash, ten thousand uh, for the winner, and it's just a it's just a hard tournament. So I think that was really big for Kristen. All right, and then there's just one last thing I want to talk about on FPO before we jump over to F to MPO. Um, I want to talk about Owen Scoggins. I Owen Scoggins has had such a good season. It's been such a quiet season. She's not over the top flashy. She it's she's not winning. But she's finishing like top five, top ten, almost every single tournament. It seems. I don't. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of Owen Scoggins. I watch a lot of FPO coverage, but this last FPO coverage made me like excited to watch her play more. And specifically, she just knows how to putt. Her putting is just sublime. It is incredible to watch her putt. Um, I think Owen is personally. I think she is the best um, FPO putter this season i think that her putting has been incredible i'm thinking specifically on the last round there was a specific throw where her shot is down in like this creek and she's looking up at like this 10 foot uh 10 to 15 foot 
uh, hill right in front of her, and she knocks down the putt. So um, great putting to own. Comes in second. Uh, she jumped up four spots the last day to finish in second. Um, I think she's going to win something soon. I, um, I'm i a big foundation disc golf podcaster, and they're saying that her and Orem have no I, no chance of any winning a chance of winning anything. Um, I, I think that's very far-fetched. I think Owen, by the end of the season, that's going to be one of my predictions I'll say. For the, by the end of the season, um, Owen Scoggins will win an Elite Series. I, I say it out loud, and I like really second-guess myself. But Owen Scoggins will win a Elite Series. It's not going to be a major. Um, she's not going to win World. She's not going to win the Pro Tour Championship. But Owen Scoggins, I believe, will win um, some form of FPO Elite Series by the end of this year. But that's going to be the wrap-up um, for FPO. I'll jump over now to MPO. We talked a little bit about um, performances and kind of what I think going ahead. But MPO was a lot like FPO in the sense that it felt close for a second, and then it wasn't anymore. I mean, going into it, um, Ricky was up in the lead by a little, uh, by just a little margin. It was about like a one-stroke uh, lead above Barella um, and Burr, and obviously Macbeth was hanging around there too as well. And then Ricky just kind of took off. Um, Ricky is kind of in the same spot as Kristen where he's not technically hurt anymore. You know, he had the giant inflammation. Um, I want to say it was Lyme's disease he was struggling with. Uh, he, it's just, it's not going to go away. He's going to have to keep battling with that, but it doesn't make him any lesser of a disc golfer. It just makes him a disc golfer that has to deal with this pain and readjust to how he's playing. And, Boy, did he readjust. I mean, the big stat that I took to, took away um, in this MPO matchup is that there was a six-hole run, a six-hole run where Ricky birdied all six holes, and in those six holes, Gannon threw out of bounds four of those holes. And that's why Ricky pulls it out. I mean, you have a veteran player, much like Ricky, much like Paul, going against a 17-year-old. He's really kind of still getting into the groove of things. He's not fully there yet. And just the composure at the end. Ricky is a player that when he gets upset, when he knows he's playing bad, it fires him up. You know, Ricky started the front nine with just par, 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 and just goes on the six birdie streak. And that's the difference between a professional that has been around it, a veteran professional, and an up-and-comer. You know, Gannon throws out of bounds that first time. I think it's stuck with him. And, and, And I don't blame him. You're 17. You're playing on this big tour. You're playing against Macbeth and Wysocki. You're playing at Ledgestone. There's a lot that adds on to it. And for him to even be such a big competitor this this season and keep sticking around, I mean, that's huge for me. So I I do think that we are going to see a lot more of Gannon. I think that Gannon is going to compete really well at Worlds. I don't think he goes on to win Worlds. I don't think that he's there yet. I think he'll win another Elite Series by the end of the season, I know I'm throwing out. I think that they're going to win Elite Series here and there. Um, I really do think Gannon does have a good shot. I mean, he already has won one this season. He's already looking so good. Um, it's just like this youthful coming of these players that they just look really good. Um, even Barella was up there too as well. Um, Anthony Barella did finish in the four spot here. Um, top five was going to be the finish with Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth, Gannon Burr, Anthony Barella, and Corey Ellis. Uh, Matt Olram did drop down a little bit too as well. Matty O, like I said, people like Foundation like to talk about how Matt's not going to win anything. I don't think Matt's going to win anything either. I think Owen will. I don't think Matt will. I think it's just too much. Uh, but Matt sticks around a lot. 
I think the other storyline that we're seeing for MPO this week is Paul McBeth. I think Paul McBeth is a storyline every single week that he plays. I think it is just Paul McBeth. I, I, I don't think that um, Paul McBeth could ever not be in the spotlight. With Paul McBeth specifically, it's just like this constant discussion of well, is he washed up? Is he done? Is Paul ever going to get better? Is he going to win again? And I, you know, he hasn't won in a bit. You know, like he he's not winning, but this guy finishes so often that we see him break a course record. We so often see him finish top ten, finish two. He, I don't see him being washed up when it comes down to championship Sunday and all of a sudden Paul McBeth is in the discussion or it's moving day and Paul McBeth is out here and he's breaking course records. It seems that Paul is in this rhythm though. He's stuck in this little funk of not being able to get going. He he finishes so strong and he's able to just top off his weeks incredibly, but like he just can't get the ball rolling. The first few days of the tournaments, he just struggles, and then he just comes out and finishes pretty strong. Um, same case here. He did finish three spots higher up than when he finished. Um, it's also seeing Ricky and Paul top off against Gannon and Anthony, uh, two very young players getting shown up by two older players. That's going to continue to be a trend. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to change. I just don't think Paul McBeth is washed up. I, I don't think that you can consider somebody washed up and then continuously finish in the top ten. The best example I can give against that is somebody like Calvin Heimberg. Calvin, yes, he did win, and I was super thrilled when Calvin won. But he doesn't win every week. Calvin played pretty bad. I mean, he finished 10th, so it's not awful. He he saved himself with some good last rounds, but nobody's talking about Calvin Heimberg being washed up. And realistically, Calvin Heimberg and Paul McBeth are playing the same amount. It's just that Paul McBeth is a five-time world champion that everyone expects him to almost be like Kristen Tatar and just win all. And that's an awful example because Kristen is not a world champion. Even then, like people have this big idea that Kristen needs to be this big winner. She's, she's Kristen Tatar, but it's even more personified with Paul McBeth. Five-time world champion. Everybody thinks he has to come out and win all the time. He's hanging around. He's he's not in his prime. It's not prime Macbeth, um, but it is Paul Macbeth nonetheless. And a Paul Macbeth um, that plays as well as he does, I, I don't think you could ever count him out of winning. I just think that when you have somebody like a Wysocki, like a McMahon, you have almost too much talent for Macbeth to thrive, but there's just enough talent in himself where he's always going to be a contender. And especially with Worlds, it's been... Um, 10 years, he, the last 10 years, he's been first or second place at Worlds. That's just going to continue. I don't see that changing this year with how well he's been playing. He's had his bad days, yes, but once Macbeth becomes McBeast, it's it's over. He continues to put it on year in and year out. I don't see that changing here soon, um, but that's kind of the outlook for Macbeth going into Worlds. But enough about Paul Macbeth and enough about um, Ledstone. We are now going to go into our topic of the day. So the only reason why I paused when I was saying that is because I'm learning how to edit this as I go along. Um, So if there was music in there, that is the topic of the day music. Um, If there's no music in there, imagine a guitar playing. And we are now talking about the topic of the day. Um, Topic of the day is going to be Nicola Castro's suspension. It's obviously been a little bit of time since this has happened. It's been a little over a week since his suspension was given out. It did create a 
bit of a frenzy, and I have some opinions on it. Um, so Nicolo Castro, when they were in Europe, um, he did get in the face of an official. It was based off of time. Nico's always got called for time. Nico always has been in a way, the villain of disc golf. He's one of like the founders of disc golf. Not really, but he's somebody who has been with disc golf for a while, um, through the tougher times, not during just the boom. He's he's been around. So he is a he's a veteran that you look at and you're like, well, it's Nico. You know, Nico is a part of disc golf. But Nico's always been Nico. He's always got in trouble. He's always started things. He he's drama. He adds drama to disc golf. And for most disc golfers, they don't like drama. So in Europe, uh, Nico gets in the face of an official, doesn't really threaten him, doesn't like, doesn't spit in his face, doesn't push him, nothing physical, doesn't even really shout. He's kind of following the official. He's getting the face of the official, obviously, but he's not really doing much. He's upset with the call and like that makes sense. So it was about two weeks or so until the PDGA did make a call for his suspension. And they did put it on nine months, which is insane. That is nearly a year suspension. So he's going to miss the rest of this season. And he's going to miss the beginning of next season too. So they basically gave him like a, like a 60% season suspension. He wasn't caught taking performance-enhancing drugs. This isn't the MLB, and he's, like, juicing. He didn't punch anyone. He didn't, like, throw anything at anyone. He got in someone's face. And I and I think that there is no doubt that he should have got a suspension. When I was thinking of a suspension, I thought two weeks. Two weeks, you get two weeks to kind of clear your head, um, get back on track, think about what you did, and then you get right back into it. But the PDGA took two weeks to come up to this decision, and somehow these people sat around and said, you know what makes sense? Nine months. And I think they wanted to put make him like an example and say like this isn't happening in disc golf and we're not going to allow this in disc golf. And I, and I get it. Disc golf is a very tame sport. It's very community oriented. You don't want people to look like jerks out on the pro tour you don't want to embarrass us especially when we're overseas you don't want to look like we're the americans over here looking stupid playing disc golf i get that but it's it's like the the debate going on with baseball right now like the let the kids play movement where you have all these kids in baseball that are coming and they have a lot of different types of emotions behind them they play very much passionately they flip their bats and they get really into it and you have this group of people that watch it and say, like, that can't happen. Like, you need to tone it down. You got to be respectful on the field. And then you have people that seem like, no, get fired up. I want to see you get fired up. And, I, and I'm mixed. I love seeing players get fired up. I like that Nico gets fired up. I like it when Paul McBeth makes a big shot and he, he yells. I like it when somebody messes up and they get a little upset. This is your job. This is what you get paid to do. And this is your passion. You know, you have your passion and your job wrapped into one. Put it all out on the line when you're out there playing. Don't get in the face of an official, maybe. Don't really go that far. But let's see some passion. I, I want to see that passion. And I think the PDGA took a big step against showing emotion on the course with the suspension. And I know people will disagree and say, well, you could show emotion without 
you know, getting in the face of somebody else. And I agree. Nico did not show the emotion like he should have. He should have taken it out a different way. But he still didn't he didn't hurt anyone. In, in baseball, you have people come out all the time. And I don't know if you could tell. I love baseball, so I'll reference baseball quite a bit. You have people getting thrown out of games all the time for getting in the faces of each other. But they go right back the next day. They maybe get like a game or two suspension, not a nine-month suspension. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. I think it's just really counterintuitive to making disc golf this prime source of just professionalism and not professional in the sense of like I'm being professional so I have to um, be professional like not professional like I'm giving a speech to my colleagues that I work in an office professional in the sense of this is a professional sport professional sports warrant emotion emotion warrants people to do stuff that they might not normally do but you lay it all out on the line when you step out on that course it's just like Michael Jordan taking the court um in 96 it's the same thing you got to put it all on the line and you got to give it your all um there were some players that did also agree with me in the sense that this was not the right call um one of which is very famous paul Macbeth, who i've talked about throughout this episode paul Macbeth was not a fan of the suspension he did not think it should be that long he left a big list on instagram talking about why he thinks that should not be uh the case why nick why nico should not have been suspended as long as he should have had it, it just makes sense it just you have players your your biggest player the face of disc golf i would argue is telling the pdga you did wrong telling all of their fans look at what you did wrong and the PDG just has to sit on it now. And it's just it just took them too long to come to a decision. So not only did they make the wrong decision, they took forever to come to the decision. To the wrong decision. They had weak it's just it's mind blowing to me that they came out with this decision. Um it, it just doesn't make sense with me. Especially when you have players come out and disagreeing with it. I just suspension was yes, that long of a suspension, no. The other argument that I keep making to a lot of people that I talk to about this is that it's not bad to have a villain in a sport. I, I get disc golf is very different. I understand that disc golf is a very loving, very community-based sport. But that doesn't mean that when it comes to professional games that we can't root against somebody. The, the feeling you get when you don't like somebody in sports, it makes you almost like the sport more. Like the first person I think of is Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley back in the NBA was the villain of basketball. People hated this guy. I mean, he was in Space Jam as the villain. Like it was just, it all made sense that there was this villain, but he didn't get suspended for doing it. And then you have somebody like Draymond Green now in basketball. He's a big villain. You could even look at baseball. They have Bryce Harper as a villain. Villains go along with professional sports, much like showing emotion while you're playing goes along professional sports too they are hand in hand emotions need to be shown while you play a game you can't you can punish a player for showing emotion the wrong way but you can't do it to the same sense um that the you just kind of lose that passion along the way too as well they have to stick there and a villain is necessary. It is necessary that Nico comes back and plays. You give him a shorter suspension. You give him that chance to come back and show, hey, I learned. Let me show you how I play now. I've been practicing on my own. Have people get me excited to watch him because nine months are now, everybody's going to forget about this. 
nine months, people are going to say, oh, Nico LaCastro, he got suspended nine months ago. He's back, whatever. If Nico gets suspended two weeks, he comes back from two weeks. There's people that remember this. There's people that were saying, remember two weeks ago when he got in the face of this guy? There are people that are going to be rooting against Nico, as bad as that might sound. If you look at Instagram and his Instagram and just see all the bad stuff people are saying about this guy, like people are going to be rooting against him. So creating this villain in disc golf you know, it might not be the best feeling for Nico being the villain of disc golf. I doubt he wants to be the villain of disc golf. But a villain is almost necessary in professional sports. You have to root for somebody and root against somebody. And I think that if disc golf wants to make this big leap into the professional scene, it has to reward passion. It has to know how to punish mal uh, passion. And it needs to understand that having a villain in disc golf is okay. And I hope that Nico really does come back and he does turn things around at the end of these nine months. I hope that he sees that, you know, this was not a suspension that he should have taken on this long. And I hope that it fires him up. I hope that it fires him up to come back from nine months and show us that he isn't washed up because Nico hasn't done much. He's not Paul Macbeth. So I think that um, it could be a really big turning point for Nico. I think that it's, I'm very disappointed with the PDGA's decision, but I do hope that um, we do see more of that passion on the course. Maybe not that kind of passion, but I do want to st keep seeing uh, players get fired up, and I would not mind a villain emerging within disc golf too as well. All right, but that is going to do it for me here. I appreciate anybody that did stick around for this. Um, this was my very first recorded podcast, so a little bit on the shakier side, a little bit more so on the rough edges. I'm hoping that um, as this podcast goes on, I get some more guests on, um, grab a co-host as I go on to expand on what I'm able to talk about as well. Um, if you have any feedback, feel free to comment, let me know, anything like that. I would love to hear some feedback, uh, how you think the podcast is going. Like I said, very first podcast I recorded, so not expecting perfection, but definitely excited to keep this going and get better as we go on. Um, but like, I will be back next week talking more about disc golf too as well. I'm excited for the next uh, few weeks of disc golf and kind of just seeing what goes on around there. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Chris Discs and keep up with the forecast coming soon. But appreciate you all for listening. I'm Chris Core, and this was the forecast. <laughs>